Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. This is the February 2021 monthly market update where I go over the news and what's been impacting economy and our real estate investing. The Easter egg just to start out. So I put together all the recordings for the turnkey rentals in a little turnkey download pack for you guys at simplepassacashflow.com slash turnkey slash download. The reason why I did this because a lot of the stuff I've forgotten. Yeah, we have the incubator group and we have the remote investor e-course for new investors, but you know, I'm moving off to syndication deals and more accredited investing type stuff. So I thought I would try and archive this all in one place before I forget it all. So if you guys are starting out lower on the net worth side, check this out. But let's get into it. You guys don't know who I am. My name is Lane Cup. I still have my PE license. I don't plan to go back to the day job. So I have it because it took so long to get. If you guys want to check out my podcast, find it on iTunes, Google Play, and also the YouTube channel. All right, first thing here, we'll start with a few teaching points for folks. First thing first, Biden's in charge now, and some of these tax changes might be coming down the pipeline. Currently, corporate rates are at 21%. Biden's looking to push that up to about 28%. They always talk about removing the 1031 exchanges. Frankly, I don't really care. 1031 exchanges doesn't really impact us sophisticated investors who invest as private placements and syndications and diversify. Um, it only hurts the sucker buyers who are distressed buyers. I love 1031 buyers because they're distressed and they always pay 105, 110% of asking price because they're distressed. They have to move. Don't, you don't want to be that person. Don't say no to 1031s. And so Biden might be taken away, which is fine. Some other things that's going on is like, other than the corporate tax rate possibly going up is he's he looks looking like he's going to whack those people over $400,000 AGI. But for a lot of us, we're able to use these passive losses and manipulate our AGI to fly under the radar with that type of stuff. You don't know how to do that. Check out my tax guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax. But yeah, a lot of cool charts here. I, I got this Ernst & Young uh, report that they put out. You guys want to see some of the visuals here check this out on the youtube channel or i i have all the investor letter all the monthly reports on my website at simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and you guys can uh, catch up on this in the visual form so other things he's going to be looking to do is you know, he's going to create like a made in america credit 10% towards revitalizing and retooling manufacturing facilities and bringing production back to the u.s I'm definitely looking at some industrial investments these days to diversify myself. I still like multifamily, still like mobile home parks and office space, but yeah, I'm always looking to diversify my personal portfolio. Of course, Biden is a big greeny guy, so you're going to possibly see a lot of the solar credits, maybe restore the full electronic vehicle tax credits. 
for in terms of housing, looking like that they might bring back the $15,000 first time home buyer credit. Everybody freaks out every time something like that comes out saying that it's actually going to impact a lot of things. To me, like, I stopped caring about all of that stuff because it's a drop in the bucket, really. Yeah, some people might be buying a house and it might make things go up for a month or two, but you know, even big $15,000 tax credits for new first time home buyers, I've just seen it not really move the needle in the long term. But if you are like me and you rent, yeah, it might be a cool way to pick up $15,000. But if you're buying a one to $3 million house, what's well, 15 grand? That's not much. As far as childcare, 8,000 tax credit for childcare, 5,000 tax credit for informal caregivers aimed at elder care. Most of this stuff is still in the works and I'm sure it will change. But when we figure out what's going on, we'll let you guys know. Of course, we strategize best practices behind closed doors in the family's office, Mahana Mastermind. If you don't know what you're missing, well, lucky you guys know what you're missing, but it's good stuff in there. All credit investors. And it is what exactly what it is, a mastermind of multiple family offices coming together that are under our umbrella. To learn more, go at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. But enough for the commercial, some more teaching points here. I was working through the development deal that we have going on in Huntsville, and we just signed our guarantee maximum price contract on that. And for those of you guys still doing the burst strategy and flipping houses, the way we did it, this is a $20 million project we're working on. We're trying to build 200 multifamily class A units. Uh, still workforce housing, class A's, kind of synonymous with new builds. We are put in place a guaranteed maximum price contract to shelter the movement on the price where we're also incentivizing the contractor to find us cost savings. So I pulled this out of the washed-out standards when I used to be an engineer up in the Washington state. So back then, or if you followed the washed-out standards, there's a formula here saying that if the contractor finds a cheaper way to do it, you can split the cost savings with them. So it's a way of incentivizing them to be a good steward of your money and find cheaper ways to do it. In the private sector, we use a 25% profit split. But yeah, just a few ideas for you guys doing the birds, take some tips from us. We want to be aligned with our contractors as much as possible, even though it's very hard. If I'm going to do a, a construction project, it's going to be on the bigger scale with these bigger, more professional construction firms. If you guys haven't heard the whole GameStop thing, I'm not gonna beat this to death. I'm sure you've read about it in every single publication out there, but if you haven't, basically a bunch of folks on Reddit banded together and manipulated the price of GameStop. But look, this is why I personally don't have any paper assets. This is what happens when a bunch of kids have access to an asset. And this is why I'm out of something that everybody has access to. There's a reason why I like real estate. Not everybody can save up 20 grand to go buy a $100,000 house. Certainly not many people can go and buy a 10, $20 million apartment. There is limited access. There is a barrier to entry. That is why I like it. And I try not to do anything where I don't have an unfair advantage. But if you guys are on the roller coaster of stocks, mutual funds, that type of stuff, it took me a long time to get off of that bandwagon, but I'm so glad I did getting into real assets, especially that cash flow. On this chart is 30 or 40 things that can go wrong, ranging from weapons of mass destruction, price instability, digital inequality. Some of these, I don't even know what they are. Livelihood crisis, 
infectious diseases, climate action, failure, human environmental damage, extreme weather. Uh, and it ranks everything on a chart, which you, if you guys go to the YouTube channel, you guys can take a look at what I'm looking at, but ranks it on the chart between how much impactful it is to the uh, global outlook and how likely it is. I'm sure we have about half of these on the private place and then random in capital letters. But the, in this life, there's risk, right? You're always going to have risk. But I think if you figure out ways to mitigate that risk is the important thing. And I think diversification is the way, personal way I do it. And going into things that perform well in recessions, not hospitality, not restaurants, not those things like travel and leisure. We touched upon this a little earlier, potential impact of Biden's 15,000 homebuyer tax credit. Out of the list, this is the probably the one that's likely to go through is what I'm reading. It'll be cool. The residential real estate market is very hot right now because of the low supply. Not necessarily, I think there's super high demand, but it's more because of low supply. But maybe when this gets put into the money supply or, or out there, people start to get see this. Maybe it might take the real estate market even further. John Burns, we just had him on the podcast a month and a half ago, but he points out um, some cool things, developments that are happening, migration from urban to suburban locations. People are seeking less density, larger floor plans, more outdoor space, the low mortgage rates, relative affordability, and shifting from working and schooling from home supports the suburban migration. So examples of that are Bay Area workers going to Stockton or Sacramento, Seattle folks moving out to Tacoma or lot to the east sides if you're familiar with that side, Bellevue. Migration from gateway cities to secondary markets continues to be on the rise, such as Boise, Spokane, Charleston. Now, I don't necessarily like those specific markets, but this is just what John Burns is saying is a general trend. And they advise to a lot of uh, institutional investors. Another development is luxury and second home sales soar in locations drivable from major coastal markets. So those people run away from those high priced areas such as Seattle and uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. You're seeing new home sales peaking in places where people are trying to pick up that second home or that nice luxury home just outside where the populated areas. So places like Naples, Lake Nona in Orlando, Salt Lake City, and Las Vegas, or people in Salt Lake City and Las Vegas are benefiting in Daybreak and Summerlin, for example. New home sales in the top 50 master plan communities. Now, these are like the big uh, suburban developments of track homes. Largest year-over-year growth we've seen in nearly a decade. We expect low mortgage rates and fire sense of urgency improved living situations. And John Burns will advise to a lot of those type of clients, the big home builders out there, they'll use their data to make the right picks of where to go. I'm telling you this, guys, because these are the smartest minds in the business, and we, we're lucky we get insight in what their information is so we can make decisions as a mom and pop investor or syndication private placement investor and follow where the smart money is going. Not where the dumb money, which is typically in these primary markets, just still flipping houses locally because they need to feel it, touch it, and see it. New home prices rose 8% year over year, according to the proprietary builder survey. A robust demand and limited supply of driving prices up and up. And they say that they do not see this forecast really changing anytime soon. But here are some of the barriers to be on the lookout for, should they come to fruition. Finished inventory per community remains 
low, there's are restricting sales at 28% of their communities nationally to align with production capacity and lot supply. So they're still moving forward, but it's going a little bit slower. Finished lot supply runs low. Builders are scrambling to find new land deals and develop additional lots after selling far ahead of expectations. Some of the new lot supply won't be ready until the second half of 2021, especially in markets with difficult approving processes. Building product delays and shortages continue to plague the builders, such as appliances, or we've been facing a little higher than normal lumber. So we've been forced to buy lumber as we need it. Resale home supply remains low in most metros. Uh, so this is encouraging even more consumers to consider new homes. The uh, Joint Center for Housing Studies of Harvard University wrote the next findings. Now, definitely not an article that you would scroll through on the social media feed here. <laughs> That's why I didn't put it on the, the Instagram channel because no one who would read this. But I, I started reading this article and it was actually, it's actually pretty good. So they're saying during the downturns, the expectation is that the housing prices will decline, not increase, and certainly not increase as such extraordinary high rates as it has. Some of the causes is the tight labor markets, the unemployment rate. After peaking at 4.7% in April, we came down to a still weak level in 6.7% in November. So some room to improve, but you got to remember before, it, this whole thing was not an economic issue, it was a health crisis. Before the health crisis, that threw everything out of whack. We were at a super low level, 3.5% of unemployment. High inflation, the consumer price index has been running for years, but only up 1.1% in 12 months ending November 2020. Therefore, strong housing prices increases are not simply a reflection of inflation. They're extraordinarily high on real inflation adjust basis. So what is it, like 4 to $6 trillion? When in, I don't know if that's true, but it's somewhere on that magnitude. At least 2 to $3 trillion got pumped into the money supply, which is likely causing the stocks to stay at these all-time highs, despite going to 14.7% and now 6.7% unemployment. People will say likely what's happening next is inflation. But in some of the readings that I've been doing um, through Richard Duncan, another uh, economist out there, what they're saying is a lot of the inflation is not tied to the money supply these days. Essentially, America can print whatever money they want and, and manipulate the interest rates and can do this all by not increasing inflation. Not yet, that is. There is a, still a loose lending mortgage bubble. The average national lending of a single family home mortgage debt divided by the market value of the whole is still an extremely low at 34%. There's no bubbles, guys. People are paying down debt, especially in this 12 months. If you have a job, consumer debt is on the decline. So it's not a repeat of 2008, that's for sure. This is coupled with ultra low interest rates. The Fed pushed down interest rates to very low levels in early 2020 and promises to keep it there ultra low for years to come. As a result, interest rates have dropped to a record low level of 2.7%. 100 points base lower than it was a year ago. Housing production shortfall. Prior to 2008, housing production was cyclical with volumes that went significantly above long-term growth, but that's not happening today. I mean, we're building as we need it. It's what's going on. Fewer, fewer houses for sale. The pandemic has been noted for the low level of houses for sale. Like I said, low supply. Potential sellers do not want to risk inflection with buyers wandering through their houses for showing and open houses. That's what these guys say. I don't know if I quite buy it. If, to me, if you need your house sold, you don't care if people are walking through it. If you need it sold, 
but in recent years, there's an evidence that the baby boomer generation is holding onto their homes longer than their predecessors. Uh, it's creating that logjam. There is no more fundamental e economic rationale for prices to go up. A shift in family spending of moving towards housing, everyone's stuck in their house. You know, this is obviously why people are rehabbing their houses, doing home renovations. People are nesting. They're less traveling. They're stuck in their house and putting more money, a more percentage of their uh, net worth into their house. Maybe because people can't have house guests now, maybe the whole keeping up with the Joneses isn't around anymore. But there's certainly data showing that they're certainly putting more money into their houses. A pandemic-induced acceleration in the purchase of second homes. So this is a lot of the wealthier guys that are trying to buy other properties in other areas, like we mentioned from the John Burns study. This is a list of the top 50 master plan communities from John Burns. The takeaway here, guys, is you look at the list. What are the states that keep coming on? Florida. Uh, there's one big one, the Howard Hughes in Summerlin, Las Vegas, Utah, South Carolina, you know, Florida, Texas, Florida, Texas, Florida, Texas. I mean, it's, and then Phoenix. There's a couple in California. There's one in Houston, Texas, but it's always the big three, right? Florida, Texas, South Carolina, Nevada. These are the places where people are moving, if you haven't noticed. Top 10 emerging markets. If you are a multifamily general partner apartment buyer, please cover your ears because the top three are Huntsville, Alabama, Pensacola, Colorado Springs. These are the top emerging markets. And these are the smaller markets. So these are not secondary markets like a Dallas or a Phoenix, Arizona. Those are that high, that top to mid-tier in terms of population. What we're talking about is emerging markets. So a lot of these are considered more tertiary markets. So again, in order, it's Huntsville, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Colorado Springs, Omaha, Reno, Savannah, Des Moines, New Orleans, Birmingham, and Knoxville, Tennessee. Maybe that whole Huntsville, Alabama growth is spurred on, or actually this got released pretty recently in the last month that the uh, Secretary of the Air Force has selected Huntsville, Alabama as the preferred location to host the U.S. BaseCon. Now, I don't know what the heck this is. Back in the day, these guys would launch the V-2 rockets. I don't know what they're doing all in space, but whatever they're doing, it probably costs a heck of a lot of money and employs a lot of smart people and everybody else and a lot of tech stuff. So that's going on in Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama. Why I like Huntsville a lot. Fannie Mae released a press release, economic growth expected to accelerate as vaccine deployment quickens and warm weather approaches, like a duh here. But they're saying the U.S. economy is expected to grow 5.3% in 2021, a substantial improvement from the currently projected 2.7% contradiction in 2020. So they're saying it's a green light. A commercial property executive also echoes that too. Their headline on January 11th was vaccine to trigger quarter three CRE recovery with an economic turnaround expected to begin around mid-2021. All I got to say, guys, is uh, what were you doing when the volcano was about to burst? Here's Patty Mays right out of the report. That's their GDP estimations, exactly what they're saying, to hit 4.8% in Q2 2021, 7.5% in Q3, and 6.1% in Q4, and then to kind of re-level off in 2022. Yeah, a lot of action. Prices are still low for large commercial assets, and I don't think that the prices are going to remain low that long. A 
Freddie Mac sees improving multifamily sector for 2021. So this is Fannie Mae's brother or sister, whatever you want to call it. The other pseudo government agency predicts rents to increase in most markets and originations to rebound after a very slow year 2020 for obvious reasons. So the U-Haul report has come out, guys. So the U-Haul report is something I really like to follow, which if you guys haven't uh, used the U-Haul in a while, you're probably too rich to use it, right? The U-Haul is what all the blue collar folks or the broke college kids use to move themselves. So this is a great indicator where the blue collar workforce are moving. And the top 12 uh, migration growth is in this order, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Ohio, Arizona, Colorado, Missouri, Nevada, North Carolina, Georgia, Arkansas, and Indiana in that order. Texas is always on the top here. It's always a dog. Like Texas has been like the top like the last half a decade at least. But a surprising one is Tennessee. Now, I think a, a few slides ago we had Knoxville creeping up there. So there's something going on. But yeah, Tennessee used to be 12th on the list. Now it is shown to be number one. Uh, Florida was number one, but it down to number three and Texas is number two, like I said. Uh, Joe Biden just passed his $1.9 trillion relief bill. It's like stimulus three or stimulus four. I don't know which one we're on yet now. But this one went into effect in right as he took office, January 15th. What is it? How does it impact multifamily investors? Well, out of that big bill, what it did was it extended the eviction and foreclosure memorandums through the end of September. $30 billion in emergency rental and utility assistance, $1,400 stimulus checks for qualifying adults, increasing federal weekly unemployment benefits to $400 through the end of September, and $5 billion in emergency assistance for people experiencing homelessness. And as people are like, before this happened, they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? We're going to fall off the cliff. People's welfare checks are going to be running out. And, and this happens all the time, guys. Like the government has shown us time and time again, that they are just going to print money. That's just what they do. Some of the biggest surprises of 2020 were the uh, rapid innovation safe in the housing industry via virtual tours exploded, private appointments, drove conversion rates to new levels, the federal stimulus. They're saying it's a big surprise. To me, it was no surprise. People were repairing and remodeling their houses, single family home rental operators competing for land. Uh, a lot of these guys are building the, the build to rent model, which included an amazing 8% in the Southeast. Surprise, surprise. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information you take to your end. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. 